first, Warren and Ryan here with you. We will be talking about the U.S. Open. We'll talk about some NBA playoffs. There's lots of live action in the NBA playoffs this weekend. And since we didn't talk about it last week, we'll get to the college football uh, playoff expansion as well. And then the Supreme, Supreme Court decision today um, that pretty much says amateurism is a, is, is a farce. So lots of stuff going on in the sports world. You can check us out every Monday and Wednesday, or every Monday and Thursday, excuse me, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the iHeartRadio podcast app as things head into the summer. This summer looks still right now a little different because normally we'd be in the dog days. The NBA Finals would normally be over. The NHL, the Stanley Cup Final would be over, but we still got those cooking along, and the doldrums of summer wait until uh until uh the end of july i was looking the nba finals if they go to game seven is uh july 22nd as we've said before right before the olympics so my big question is the espies what are we doing about the espies this year everybody loves the espies it's during mlb uh all-star game because nothing else is going on what are we going to do with the nba we can't what about the espies i haven't heard about them yeah, you're probably the only person asked that question, so I have no idea. Well, I'm saying that I've never I very I'm an anti SP guy. <laughs> yeah, like, no, I think big they're time. dumb, but I just I just thought of that. I'm like, what about the SPs? It's uh so it's funny you mentioned that. So when I was bartending, there's this one guy that always came in. It was my buddy that that uh works with the Mavs, and every year, never failed. Every year that I that I was bartending and the SBs were on, we'd have the same conversation about how nobody likes the SBs, how they're a waste of time, and why are they on? And then why do they get replayed 27 times over the next two weeks? It's It never failed. Every single every single year, we had the exact same conversation. It was kind of funny. But, uh, but yeah, nobody likes the SBs, and it's, uh, it is a waste of time, I think. What are they going to do about them this year? We'll, we'll ask the hard-hitting questions. We'll get to ESPN on that. All right, Ryan, how was your weekend? I know you had your uh, son's big first birthday party. Yeah, we had we had a little bit of everything. Uh, his first birthday party had uh, some baseball this weekend. Obviously, Father's Day yesterday, so uh, yeah, it was a good weekend. A lot of like I said, a lot of celebration of, of different things, being out in the sun and uh, all that good stuff. So it was quite a good weekend. The sun was bucking its head this weekend, big time. Yeah, yeah. Still. The back the back of my neck and my forearms are uh, caught the brunt of it. Tough scene. Yeah. Tough. Tough. Uh, seen there. All right, let's get into it. We'll start off with golf like we normally do after a major. John Rahm wins the U.S. Open or the Farmers Insurance 2.0. Um, beats Louis Tazen, who shot Lou, Louis back to back runner ups. Uh, Rahm birdies the uh, 71st and 72nd hole. First guy to do it, I think they said, since Charles Schwartzel. And then only three guys in the U.S. Open have ever done it. Um, birdie the final two holes to win a major. They said Hogan was one. I missed the name of the other one, but good company for Rom. Look, he was the odds-on favor going in. A lot of people expected him to win. Um, so to me, this is not very surprising. We all know what he did with the what he the unlucky breaker. I it was just what it happened. Whatever happened, he's tested positive for COVID. It happened at Memorial and it was an unfortunate situation. He was going to win again. 
or he's going to win. And, and now he backs it up here. And it was interesting. He said after his round, like, oh, this is karma. Like, I don't know how this is like a karma situation. Like, I don't think any bad karma happened to you at Memorial. It was just an unfortunate situation. And you, you won this event. And it was a, he played, I mean, he shot 67 yesterday, which was the round of the, the low round for the entire tournament. And that was the best score in the afternoon. Not nobody was really going low in the afternoon. It really got a little tricky out there. But he he uh, he he did what Vegas thought he was going to do, and he won. Yeah, he did. I mean, we saw quite a bit of movement up at the leaderboard all weekend. Uh, you know, everyone's kind of jockeying for for position. We thought Richard Bland might be the story of the weekend. Uh, he was the uh, thirty six hole leader, and. Uh, you know, Saturday, everyone's kind of going back and forth. And then here comes old John Rahm. Like you said, the, the odds on favorite to win the tournament, go ahead and seals the deal with the uh, birdie birdie to, to wrap it up, which <clears throat> like you said, the karma thing, it's not more so a karma thing. I would say, you know what? This is perfect. Ball don't lie. That's what that is right there. Ball don't lie. Buddy should have won uh, a couple weeks ago when he uh, when he had when he got booted for having COVID. And he came back his next tournament and uh, and walks away with it. So I, I don't know if it's a karma, more so a ball don't lie. Yeah, well, he said, like, oh, I believe in karma. I'm like, well, did you bring the bad karma on yourself? Or, like, you get what I'm saying? Like, him saying karma, I don't, I did not get. But I like the ball don't lie. I mean, he played great. And he came from behind, too. He was, he was uh, three back of the lead going into uh, yesterday. And it always seemed like he was just like, he was lingering. He was just there stalking the whole time. Like yesterday, he played, he hit his irons great, but he couldn't make a putt really at all until the final two holes. And those two putts he made on 17 and 18 when he had to play downhill left to right sliders of about six feet, seven feet of break on both of them. Like that was, putts were unreal making both back to back. Like those were so good, such good putts. Cause he couldn't make a thing earlier in the round. Couldn't make anything, but yeah, no, he, he got what he, he, he got what he deserved in this and winning this event. Like, I don't think any, I don't think anybody, if there was a name yesterday, okay. Going into yesterday, Ryan, did you, th- would you have taken the three guys that were at minus five or would you have taken someone else to win? Um, I mean, probably the, the three guys at minus five for sure. Okay. Cause I thought someone else, I didn't, I thought it was, I mean, I know. So, so going into, so after Saturday's round, I was watching, uh, you know, uh, some wrap up on ESPN and who is, I, I can't remember the guy's name. They call him the people's caddy. Um, Michael Collins, Michael Collins. Yeah. I knew his first name was Michael. I couldn't remember. So he, he said as much, he goes, look, Minus five, you know, five under is is a good score, but I don't think anybody that had that's shooting that right now uh, is a lock in to win it. And you could see one of these guys that are at one under, two under, make a little run here and uh, come up and 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 swipe the win. And he was a hundred percent. I mean, he hit the nail uh, nail on the head for sure. So even he said as much. Like, hey, just because these guys are five shots under, the, you know, I think it was like a two shot lead or something like that yep. going into Sunday. Uh, he goes, don't think that these guys are are uh, are locked into winning. He goes, I fully suspect uh, or expect somebody that uh, you know isn't on the leaderboard right now to to maybe come in and, and take this thing. Yeah, and it was mainly just because look, Mc- Russell Henley and Mackenzie Hughes, as much as the Shore household 
uh, was pulling for Hughes yesterday. He went to Kent State where my dad went, so that's why he was pulling for him. Go Zips. Uh, go Zips. Um, uh, they've never done it in the – they've never been in a lead for a major before going on this, into Sunday. And the only other guy that would have won was Louie, and we've seen Louie just literally cannot win another major. Like, I don't know what he did to at the at the Open Championship in 2011 or 10, whenever it was. But whatever he did, he sold his soul because now he's got seven runner-ups. And, like, this was a golden chance for him to to win. And I just – I was like, well, we know Louie. He doesn't close these things out, so why should I believe any of these three guys are going to do it? And that front nine yesterday, there were 10 guys, 11 guys within one shot of the lead. I mean, it was an electric factory of golf on the front nine. And then we turn over to the back nine. We got Bryson making an eight, a seven and an eight, him sculling shots all over the place. We got a guy running onto the course. And might I say, that guy had a nice swing, by the way. <laughs> that, was a, that was a pretty stroke, I must say. Nice swing. He, had a couple, he got two swings in, didn't he? He did, yeah. yeah. And that, look, okay, so you got that happening. Shout out Richard Beam on Instagram for getting the video of it. Cause I mean, other people would have been filming it, but he had the great video. We got a ball getting stuck on the, tr- stuck in a tree, bouncing off a cart path. I mean, there was, there was everything. And then everybody just crumbled down the stretch, like except Rom, like the back nine, no one could make like any birdies or anything. It was, it was as much as I like was bored, kind of bored on Monday or Thursday, Friday, and even a little bit Saturday watching the golf, like it full on delivered yesterday. Like it was, it was great. So I had it. I don't mean to derail the, the conversation, but when I saw that guy run on the field or run on the course, I had a feeling I knew who it was. And I just looked up the guy's Instagram and it hundred percent is. So a little backstory. There's this guy, Connor Murphy. I don't know if you've heard about him ever. No. He started off his his YouTube and Instagram career as a fitness model. And he was in great shape, super jacked, like whatever, your typical Instagram fitness model. Then decided out of nowhere that he was going to go on a 40-day uh, fast. Wasn't going to eat for 40 days. Did that. And then somehow got caught up in doing a bunch of ayahuasca. Do you know what that is? No, I don't. So it's like a, a super strong hallucinogen similar to like uh eating mushrooms or or acid and he's just gone like if you go look up his instagram he's he's shadow banned right now but his instagram goes from fitness model to just some weird shit and i just looked up his instagram and sure enough that was him that ran on the field or ran on the course and took those swings wild story this guy is this guy is like i said if you look up his stuff uh it uh it's some wild shit but uh that's crazy. That's exactly who it was. The guy, the guy's got a great swing, like I said, but he is a lunatic. He's like, like doctors say, like, yeah, this guy's lost his mind because of how much hallucinogens he's done uh, in the last six months or a year, whatever it was. And uh, look, credit to the guy with the cart too. That's a that was an athletic move. With that the cart. was yeah, great Stop. cart placement, and then getting out, getting out, and making the tackle all at once. I mean, yes. that was that was great. An athletic look. That was that was an electric clip. That was that was athletic all around by the I don't whatever the he's not a streaker, whoever that was, whatever the 
the fan with the row club <laughs> and then a great move by the police or whoever had the car. The funniest thing was when they, when they went to bones and they're like, Oh, there's a scene here. A guy's got a club and a couple of balls. And you're like, what the hell? Why are we not seeing this? Like, yeah. you can't really, there's no, how'd the guy get the club in? How'd the guy get like, did he just jump a fence? Like, how did he get, how did he get in a Tory Pines with just a random golf club? Or like, did he grab someone's in the group? Like what's going on here? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's what that was my first thought too. Was how did he get that club in there? In there, like where was he smuggling it? But that was hilarious. And then um, that was when Bryson was on the hole. And then people are saying that that guy gave Bryson some bad juju the rest of the way because going in the rest of the way, uh, Bryson played the last what six holes. He played them in six over par mm-hmm. to cart a nice little forty-four on the back nine, one under bogey golf. And I mean, he was. I thought he was going to win back-to-back there on the front nine. He just looked locked in, but then he crumbled. Brooks looked like he was in prime position, and then he had a little choky magochi there at the end. <laughs> the big one that is getting that is kind of getting off a little bit scot-free that, that really, in my mind, a couple guys really blew the chance here. Morikawa, that man had three, four, he had, what, five five footers for birdie on the front nine and just totally missed them. And then made a terrible double on 13. And then of course my man, Rory, he was one back, maybe even tied for lead at a point and then just horrible three putt. Then got unlucky on 12 with that bunker shot, but unlucky or just not any good. What Rory? He got unlucky or is he just not any good? No, he's very good. Uh, debatable. Um, this is the first time he's been in the mix and he was there. Um, but signs, signs are the Rory's trending upward, but that, but where the ball was in the bunker, that was unlucky. Um, but, uh, Morikawa and Rory have to be feeling in addition to Brooks, Bryson and who stays in like those four or five guys really had a chance to win yesterday. And they just kind of all faltered down the stretch in their own way. Well, yeah, I would I would uh, agree with you about a couple of those guys. But for Rory, this is old hat. I mean, this is how he just feels after every major is. Uh, no, this is different, though. This is different because he actually might have had a chance to win. And usually he has no shot at all because usually he blows himself out of the yes, because he usually <laughs> okay. literally the first round he is. He is out of it. And like here on standing on. Let me pull up his card when he was on. When he bird, he was bogey, bogey th- free through 10. And he was one under, he was four under after 10 holes and he's one shot back or he's tied for the lead. And you're like, okay, like he is legitimately in the mix. Like he shot 67 on Saturday to get in the mix. Like, this is why it's different. Like he was there and it just didn't work out. Did you see the stat? I don't know if you saw this on, if they showed it on Sunday, but he since 2017, he is is the worst golfer. No, he is the best. Saturday and Sunday under par in majors out of any golfer. How many majors does he have? Has he won? Yeah. No, but I'm saying the whole thing is he shoots himself out of the tournaments on Thursday or Friday. Yeah. He's beating Brooks on the weekend by like seven shots. Well, I mean, if I could only do half the work of my job, I would too. I mean, you got to do the, you got to go all four days, baby. That's what makes a great golfer. Great. That's the point I'm making. Yeah. He stinks. No, he does not stink. But when the pressure's on, he can't handle it. That's just not true. 
Uh, proof is in the pudding. He's got four majors to his name, and you're just poo-pooing them. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, like, I know what you're doing, but but he was like, this is different. Like this, this was a different, this was a different major for Rory, and that's why it's it hurts. Yeah, him. yeah. Um, because he was he was in the he was in the mix, and any and look look, Brooks has he has not been the beacon of closing out majors the last couple of go around since Augusta when Tiger beat him. Like he's he's been he's been pretty shaky. Yeah, you know, I think you kind of have to attribute that first to the knee injury a little bit. You know what I mean? At least this go around. Um, I know what you're saying in past before the knee injury. I, I would agree. But I think it's kind of the Jordan Spieth uh, syndrome where you see so much success early that you ex- just expect that whenever you're Rory in that position. Syndrome? No, because Roy just isn't any good. Um, yes. But uh, that's, uh, you know, you have so much success early that anytime you're in the mix, you just expect to get it done. And that's what makes this game so tough is that's just not the case at all. Uh, you know what I mean? So, you know, I, I, I can agree with some of that where it's like, you know, he's always right there in the mix. But also, too, I mean, and he hasn't been able to close it out, but you at the same, you know, on the same hand or the other hand, you got to say, Hey, the fact that he's always in the mix and has the possibility to close it out says a lot about his game too. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. That's, that's always been said about yeah. uh, Brooks. Um, all right. So do you want to hear uh, something about, we got a, I got a TikTok viral video going on right now. Well, I mean, it's golf related. It now. All right, let's do it. So Bryson, I'll send this to you right now so you can get a, um, a watch on this, um, Bryson. So you remember on the 13th hole, they did that little trajectory thing or whatever, when he showed all the shots he hit. Yeah. So pretty much, I'm just saying he's like an 18 handicap. Look at him. He hit a drive here, chunked wedge out of the thing, hit it in the bunker, bladed over the green, blah, 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 all this and that saying he's a, pretty much called him a hack. Said mm. Bryson's a total hack, this and that the video when I went to bed last night, I had 58,000 followers or 58,000 views. Totally forgot I put it up there. I was like, all right, this probably won't do anything. I look at the video right now. We're at 158,000 uh, views, and the comments are absolutely hilarious. <laughs> um, there's a lot of let's go Brooksies, a lot of yeah. let's go Brooksies. Are you, can you see the comments? Yeah, I'm looking at them right okay. now. There's a couple Bryson D. Snowman. Um, there is also a bunch of people coming at me for the video. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> Saying uh, that I suck at golf. I'm watching on television. Um, and Bryson would beat me in golf. He beat me by at least 20 strokes. This one. But, but yet he could beat you by at least 20 strokes. And here you are still talking shit, you noob. Which sounds actually pretty funny. I mean, some of these are very funny. Um, so then I made a follow-up video showing my handicap. I I never I never flex the handicap, but I I was like, all right, I'm gonna be that guy, and uh, flex the handicap on the next video, which I just posted about 30 minutes ago. We're already up to a thousand views, and then. Uh, uh, a guy said, you have nothing on anyone on tour. So many levels behind them. I go, you really think that I truly believe as like a scratch golfer, I can contend at a tour event. I'm like, you're crazy. Um, and then another guy went down to find an old video I have of my buddy, Joey, 
I did like a oh this like do this whole video, mm-hmm. and he comments on a hint swing. He goes, yeah. This, he goes, you're a you're a point nine. You're a you're a, this is this is a scratch golf swing. I go, buddy, that ain't me. That's my cl- that's my friend. But but the but the Bryson stands are out. They're out against me right now. The, I'm uh, the battle. The um, is this Bryson's burner making fun of the one guy that was coming at you? Yeah. Uh, it was pretty funny. Everyone's saying, hey, is this Bryson's burner? But. Uh, just, just staying in the mix. I love it. Just ruffling some feathers. I do like the Let's Go Brooksy, all this stuff. Attaboy Brooks, all that stuff is hilarious. But you gotta love when the uh, the uh, the Bryson DeChambeau White Knights come out and start start uh, defending him. It's hilarious. And the funny thing is, like you know me, like I enjoy watching Bryson play golf. Yeah. Like, like his shtick of whatever is tiresome or whatever. But like, I would, I want to watch him play like every week. Like I find him fascinating to watch when it comes to golf. Like, like everything he does, I'm like, so in on, or I'm just intrigued to follow what he does. So it's very funny, but God, I, I didn't even think that video was like going to, going to pop off as the kids say, but I was, I was like, dad, Hey, let's, let's pause this. Let's go back. Let's, uh, let's get this going on here and just hit send and look at it. And off we go. Now we got to see how high it can get. I mean, you go 80K back-to-back with 150K, right? Or 160K? I, I mean, the kid is hot. I know. I know. That's what I've said. Back-to-back videos. We're picking up some followers, too, on this. We're close to 400, I think. We're at, like, 360. We're picking them up. So, uh, who knows? The kid's got to keep shooting here. We're, we're going to keep shooting. This is Absolutely. a science of breakthrough. Um, but, uh, all right, do you have anything on the uh, on the open? Do you have a big disappointment? Do you have a, some guy that was pretty disappointing for you this week? Um, no, none of my, none of, no, nobody that I picked other than, you know, Matsuyama, he goes three over after shooting a 76, 74 on Friday, Saturday, finished, you know, bookend 69, 68. That's obviously, you know, great job. But again, you got to get it done all, all the way, all four days. Uh, my boy, see rough day at the rough weekend at the course. He went six over. Um, but hey, he's uh, casting checks though. He is cashing checks and he's probably, they're probably going right to the window right after he cashes them. So, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, but, uh, yeah, I mean, no, nobody really that I, that stuck out that I was like, oh man, I'm, you know, the, uh, the, uh, Friday, Friday round for Francesco Carbonara was a little bit of a disappointment, but other than that, you know, that's about it. Hey, he's still got T13. Yeah. Somehow, somehow I, th- I'm telling you what, I was disappointed on Xander on the weekend. He was two under going in and it just seemed like, all right. When's he going to make his move? And it just did not happen. He's a guy that, so you know the whole like arm lock putter technique thing? Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. So that, I don't know if you saw Homeless tweet, but they're talking about maybe outlawing that because it, it doesn't, if you're a good putter, you're not going to the arm lock. But if you're a bad putter, the arm lock will save you. Xander's now gone to the arm lock. And when you're going to the arm lock, that, that is like last resort. Like that's like, I've got nothing here. I can't putt. I'm doing that. And he's going to the arm lock now. And that's a tough scene. Like Zalatoris is doing the arm lock. Cause he couldn't putt forever. Now he's like a guy go to the arm lock, put the, put the alarm bells up because that means they are on their last resort. And Xander doing that is just like, all right, He's got some major, major flaws right now, but uh, I was a little disappointed in him. And then I also look, I know Tory Pine. I was, I know Tory Pines delivered, like it got a good leaderboard or whatever, but 
I the USGA should never go back there for a US Open. Like it's just it's we see it every year on tour and I don't need to see a US Open being played there again. I don't need to see eight rounds of golf at Torrey Pines uh for professionals. Like we don't we don't need that. At least for us hardcore golf fans, we're we're like, all right. Yes, it's produced well. Tiger had a great one. Rom had a great finish, but I've seen enough of that in majors. I, 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 we don't need to go back there again. All right. <laughs> I'll tell you what. Hardcore golf Twitter. The worst. You were, there was, huh? The worst. Well, it was the worst, but boy, people were staking claims left and right. It was either you were pro Tory or you're anti Tory, and then people don't understand why you're anti Tory. This and that, and it was. It was like a showdown. It was a showdown and a half. And like people can't understand, like for the US Open, we want different courses. Mm-hmm. And and also like Mackenzie Hughes after his round on Saturday said, other than the greens being a little firmer, this course plays exactly the same as February. And guess what? Uh I rest my case. If they're saying it's playing the same as February, why are we coming back here again for another event? Um, but boy, it was pitchforks and torches on each side coming out at each other. It's a, it's a good look. There's a lot of battles. Golf Twitter is bad, but boy, it's uh sometimes you can really get some good laughs on it. I, th- I feel like saying that's, you know, like I said, if we do the, uh, things that make Ryan mad about social media, that's going to be one of the biggest things is Twitter is just like, it's, it's, it's the greatest and the worst thing ever. Oh, for sure, for sure. Because of what you just said. Like, you can get some really good laughs. You can get some just, like, absolutely just ridiculous takes. Obviously, you always have your trolls. But it's just, like, it's it's the best and the worst because of what you just said. You know, you can you can get some laughs. You can infuriate yourself. And then you realize, like, I'm getting mad at a stranger I don't even know. And I, I'm getting mad at a guy who has – it's a friggin' burner account. So it, it's got a picture of, you know – Guy Fietti, and I don't even know why I'm getting so mad. And it's, uh, it, it, it's, yeah, it just, it, it brings out certain, certain feelings that you just can't explain. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure. Let's, that's the whole TikTok thing. Like, that's why I'm just laughing at people saying I'm a bum yeah. or whatever, like saying this and that. Like, I think that's pretty funny. That was like, yeah, the same, same thing when I, uh, when I was, I told my story about, did I tell that story on, on the air? Or was that off, uh, off air about Pete Blackburn? You said that on here. Yeah. Yeah. So that was the same thing. People chirping me. I thought it was hilarious. And like, it's, it's funny. Like the good ones, I'll tell you, Hey, that was a good one. And the bad ones will be like, come on, buddy, clean it up. Yes. No, very like they want to paint you with a broad brush when little do they know, like, yes, you're doing it as like a joking man or whatever. Like they think that you have, it's people on Twitter when they reply or you do something like that, it's they think you have no self-awareness. Right. When look, a lot of people don't have self-awareness, but the people that do have self-awareness, they're just like, they don't know that you're laughing pretty much with them at the same thing. Right. Correct. Um, all right. So that's that. The next major look, we are three weeks away. So we got three tournaments until the, until the open championship was at uh, Royal St. George's, I think. So, Hot and heavy in the uh, golf season coming up. All right, to the NBA. Where do we start? We start in the East? Yeah, game seven. I think those were the big stories this weekend. Both favorites, the Bucks or not, or the, the Nets and the Sixers go down. 
And I'm going to be honest. I, on Saturday night, I was pulling for the Nets. I want the Nets to win. I am. I enjoy. As we said, it's very nice. We've got some new blood here in the in the conference finals. The last team that won a title was the Bucks in 1971, and even before that, the Nets had never won it. The previous, uh, most recent champ was the Sixers, but I was enjoying Durant so much. What he did in Game Five, what he's been doing in the playoffs, and even going into Game Seven, like I wanted to see that run continue. How far could he take James Harden on a grade two hamstring? How far could he take them? Can Kyrie come back for the conference finals or the finals if they make it? Like, can't, how long can Durant still do this? Like, that to me is a way more fascinating storyline than seeing the Bucs while also a fascinating story. Can Giannis get over the hump? What's he going to do? Like, but I just found myself pulling for Durant because I just was so enthralled with Durant and the run he was on. I wanted to see it keep going. I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. And I, I don't think I've, I've, you know, hit the fact that I just don't think Milwaukee's that good. Uh, and, and Giannis in the playoffs just isn't that good because he's too one dimensional, uh, you know, and doesn't have a whole 40 the other night though. I know. No, no. I, look, I get it. I, I, I totally get it. You know, you put 40 up in the playoff game. You're usually pretty good, but as far as playoff basketball, I just don't feel like it translates, uh, you know, as it does in the regular season. I know he still dropped 40, but still, um, you, when you, when you put a guy up like, like KD, like you said, and the things he was doing and the way he scored his 40 plus points, and then what a, the way Giannis scores his 40 plus points are totally different. Now that doesn't sure. mean one's greater than the other, but the more fun one to watch is Kevin Durant's. And that's what you want to see. Keep going. And that's why I agree. You know, you want to see, can Kyrie, is Kyrie going to come back? Are they going to finally have all three guys? Blake Griffin kind of had this resurgence that was adding a bunch to the team. Uh, you know, a little excitement getting back to his high flying days a little bit there. Um, so no, I agree. I wanted to see the Nets move on. Um, I wanted to see the Sixers move on. So we get Nets Sixers and see how that went, even though we knew we probably know how it would have gone. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, like I said, the, the, uh, the performance that, that Durant puts on, he's about six inches away from ending the season for, uh, Milwaukee instead of sending it into overtime. And it's just, it's brutal. Cause that's such a money shot. It's a, you know, fantastic shot. And he's just, just like I said, a smidge, his foot size just a smidge too big, or else they would have been going on to the uh, the conference finals. Well, you did you see the thing going around on Twitter that the Athletic did an article? I think it was the Athletic. They said he normally wears a set, normally not playing basketball, he wears a size seventeen shoe, mm-hmm. and then for basketball he wears a size eighteen shoe. Oh, hate to see it. Yes. That's so weird. I think was, guys usually go the opposite, or at least I know football players do. They usually go at least a half size or a full size smaller than what they usually wear. Yeah, well, he he was going the other way because I think he said he likes them being a little bit bigger or whatever, so his uh-huh. feet can slide around or something. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah, so he goes a size bigger because he saw he saw the replay and he goes, "Damn, I was that close." He goes, "Maybe if I was wearing my size 17s. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that was it. I mean, hero or goat to hero. And that game was Brooke Lopez. Yeah. There was one guy that was goat to hero. That was the horrible, whatever, side out of bounds play. And he just lost track of time. And did you see this going around too? Like he, when they called timeout or before they called timeout, he was like two seconds left at the shot clock and pointed at it. So he knew there were two seconds left. And then he's the guy that literally just blacked out there. Yeah. And then like the block on Duran overtime, that won them the game. You cannot convinced me that that play did not win them the game because then the the nets go up two 
I don't know if the Bucks are scoring again, but that that to me won the Nets or won Milwaukee the game. Yeah, no, absolutely. I agree. It was it came up huge, came up in a great spot, and it's exactly what they needed, obviously. <laughs> like you said, like For we sure. said, they won the game. And like you're not expecting Brooke Lopez to come down and block exactly, the exactly. Like, it was so right. unexpected. He's he's uh, a uh, he can be a rim protector in the sense of he's big and he puts his hands in the air. You know what I mean? He's not yeah. he's not gonna swat the ball too many times. He'll still get a few now and then, but he's not he's not your your when you say rim protector, kind of what you would uh, normally think. Yes, though no, that is for sure. So then the Bucks that gets underway Wednesday. They face the Sixers, and boy, a tough scene in Philly today. I totally forgot to tune into Philly sports radio this morning to get the vibe of the town. But look, the day is long. There's plenty of hours left on those shows that I could tune into later in the afternoon. But, uh, number one, number one, uh, public enemy. Number one in Philly is clearly Ben Simmons this morning. It has to be. And he is covering up though. A lot of doc rivers criticism. I think that should be coming his way as well. But, Simmons just, boy, that is, I, you, I don't, it's, it's unexplainable what, what happened in the fourth quarter of the series with Simmons, I think. He shot, what, three times in yes. seven games in the fourth quarter. Now he would, he did shoot 100%. And, hold on, and didn't take a shot in the fourth quarter in games five, six, and seven. Correct. Yeah, shot. I think he shot once in game one and shot twice in game three. And I didn't shoot again in four, five, six, or seven. I believe is how it went. Um, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it was brutal. Obviously, like you said, it's I said as much that, you know, Philly needs another guy that can create his own shot. Embiid can do it, but you can't give him the ball and tell him to go face the bucket and create his own shot that many times in a row. A, he's too big. B, he wears out real quick, runs out of gas. So, you know, you got to, you have to have that guy. And Seth Curry can do it a little bit. You know, he had JJ Redick last year that, you know, was probably could have made some shots because you look at it. I mean, Trey Young was playing, playing, he was balling out, no doubt uh, at the end. He started yeah, off a little rough. Early was early was rough, but at the end, started hitting buckets, and the Hawks are still barely winning these games. Now they get it done for sure, and they're coming back from big leads. But if the Sixers have one more guy that can create his own shot or create his own uh, basket by driving to the hoop or whatever it is, they win this series no problem. But they need to start looking at other options for uh, Simmons. Uh, bringing somebody in, trading him away, or what? But uh, it's it's just not he. I mean, he can't he can't get it done. They should have they should have traded for Kyle Lowry at the deadline. Yeah, like that was the perfect guy for them. Um, I'm like Simmons. How are you not taking that layup? Yeah, I mean, like, it would have been a dunk. Dude, don't like seriously. Like we, I get it. You want to be a creator? Like he's still a good creator. Like he's. He's was first team all defense and was second team on defensive rookie of the year. Like he's a great defender. I guarantee you 29 out of 29 teams would take him on their team right now. That's the whole thing too about it. But like what happened? But not to be the guy like they'd take him on the team for sure, but not to be the guy. But do you think he's the guy there? Because Embiid's clearly the number one. Oh, Embiid's. Yeah, absolutely. No, no, totally agree. But that's the thing. So he's the number two and it's just, he's just like, is such a mental block offensively. It's it's just I it's just 
yeah, I mean, every team would take him, but it's just like, dude, come on. Like, just make it. Don't be afraid to score. Mm-hmm. Like, help your guys out. Like, what are you doing? Like, what are you doing? Yeah. I just don't. And I mean, he's like, I saw, I saw people on Twitter saying today that like Philly, the, uh, somehow this is like one of the rumors for trades was like, oh, Ben Simmons to the cast for Colin Sexton and Kevin Love. Where can I, where can I, can I sign up for that right now? <laughs> Seriously. Like these pe- people in Philly are bringing it up. I yeah. got a guy on Cleveland in Cleveland that's saying Sexton is a better player than, than Ben Simmons. And that Simmons could be out of the league. He thinks Sexton is going to be in the league longer than Ben Simmons. And this is a guy that's got good, usually basketball takes like people have jumped the shark on Ben Simmons. Yeah. Like he could, he's going to be a Draymond Green. The problem with Dray or the problem between the two is that Simmons needs the confidence that Draymond has. Like Draymond offensively is atrocious, mm-hmm. but why cannot be? Why can he not be the guy that gets ten rebounds, ten assists a night, and scores eight, nine, ten points? Simmons can drop twenty five on you too, and could be a way better offense. But like, why can he not be a Draymond type of role for a team and succeed? Like people, I know we just we are in the recency bias, and it's hard to say. That the it's hard for you to like defend Simmons or whatever, but like we have jumped to sharks on how bad Ben Simmons is. Like people have just gone way, way, way too far on on how bad he is. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Like you said, I would still uh, still take him for sure. But again, it's going to be for that defensive specialist. It's not going to be for a guy that I need to go score. You know, I need somebody to score or get a big bucket for me uh, down the stretch. So. You know, you know where he'd probably be. I mean, I don't, I don't want to put this out there, but like a Golden State, where he's not, he doesn't have to do a whole lot. He doesn't have to create. He literally just has to play defense, and that's it. Um, it's, uh, you know, somewhere like that where you have a ton of scores around you, and you can literally just focus on, on being a defender. You know, it's a wing league. You can defend plenty of wings because you got great size, you got great athleticism, but you don't have to be relied on to score. If you can add eight to 10 points a game, maybe add, you know, 10 rebounds a game that you're going to be a valuable asset. But as far as being the guy to, to run the offense and starts the ball with, you know, coming down the courts or whatever it may be, that's just not, that's just not his game at all. I think he could still do that though. Really? Like we know he's limited, but like he can still be, like I said, he could still be Draymond, like run pick and rolls and stuff like that. Like he's still a phenomenal passer. He just needs to be more confident. Like his whole mid range, he can do a little mid range. Yeah. And like the layups are like that just, he didn't even try to do that. Like if you could get him confidently and like, Hey, I'm going to drive to the hoop. I'm going to lay the ball up. Actually. Like I'm going to take these little 10, 15 foot jumpers. Like if he does any of that in, in these games, Philly is still playing right now. And we're not talking about Simmons like this. Mm -hmm. It's just, he needs to go see a mental coach, I think, or something like I honestly think he would fit well with Luca. Like he could relieve yeah. Luca of the ball handling and stuff like that, and then play defense. Like he is perfect. Like he is a. I think he's a good fit for Luca. I don't know if I. I don't think I. The Sixers would trade Porzingis for Simmons, but I mean, Simmons is a guy I think would 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 fit well here. But like we have like we have way jumped the shark on how bad Simmons. Like yes, he could probably he probably cannot walk in the locker room. When spring, when training camp starts for the Sixers next year, like his his run there is over, like it needs to be. But we have jumped the shark on like how bad of a play. Like he's 
way better than Colin Sexton and other guys. Like my people were saying he's a top 20 player in the league before this year. Like that's still, he still is that. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, if people always want to blow everything, everyone always wants to have the hottest take. Uh, and when it comes to stuff like this, so, you know, everyone's going to blow it way out of proportion. Um, when it comes down, you know, when it would and not and, and and fudge the truth of what we really see and know for sure, for sure. And then in the West, I will say I did not. I watched maybe five minutes of this game was at the beginning. We were locked in the golf. Uh, didn't see it, but looked like an exciting game. The Suns win. Is Chris Paul playing on uh, tomorrow night? I still don't think we know, right? We still do not know for sure. So, yeah, um, great. uh Great performance by Devin Booker, 40-point triple-double. Again, the casual NBA fan can finally see the greatness that has been Devin Booker this entire time. Uh, you know, gets obviously gets a ton of help from from uh, his role players, but really put the team on his back. Obviously, not having Kawhi for the Clippers is showing that, you know, although they can still get it done, I mean, they still put up 116 points. Um, it's uh, And see, that's the other thing, too, that I, I wanted to mention. You know, we saw the Clippers absolutely manhandle uh um uh, the uh the jazz yes. the jazz with their with their small man lineup and the Suns they can play small no problem you know what I mean even though we loved you having DeAndre Ayton on the court you know we can mix in Dario Saric and a couple other guys to kind of fill the void of that five when they're trying to go small and it just doesn't work. Yeah. Well it's also game one. You don't know what's gonna like it didn't work yesterday. Right. No, and then, but but, that, but that's what got them here, right? Is going small against the Jazz. For sure. And so and so if it didn't work yesterday, not saying that oh it didn't work one game so it's never going to work at all, but now they're probably going to have to shift a little bit and see, all right, maybe we go back to playing with the big man, you know, maybe, you know, whatever the case may be, but as far as being able to hang and play going small for the Suns, you got to feel good about it. Yeah, yeah. And then look, Ty Lu. I mean, people are coming around on him now. Like about damn time. You know what I like about Ty Lue and his coaching style? He's not afraid to try something different. Like if something's oh. not, yeah, how many times have you seen coaches where it's like, okay, this has been working the whole time. Yeah, it's not working right now, but it's worked the whole season. So let's go ahead and stick with it. He has zero problem, you know, being like, all right, this isn't working. Let's flip it. Let's find something that is working. And, you know, it, and that's what I feel really commendable about him and his coaching style. Like he's not afraid to take a shot and say, all right, hey, you know, I'm going to go out swinging. I'm not just going to go out with, you know, just kind of laying over and say, oh, well, this didn't work and this is how our team is set up. So if that's not working, then so be it. But, you know, he, like I said, he doesn't, he doesn't mind trying to change things up a little bit. Sometimes though, he might be a, a, a little late on the changes. Mm -hmm. Like, hey, maybe let's dust off Luke Kennard in the Mavs series before game six. Like, why don't you try that in maybe game three or four so he can continue playing? But like he, I mean, he's, uh, he's, Coach Green, and the thing too for the Clippers is like, even if they lose tomorrow night, I what the Suns have to be the favorites tomorrow night, right? Yeah. I mean, I think they they've not saying they're going to win another series down 0-2, but I mean they're 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 feeling right at home. Yeah. Like I think this series is going to go even if Chris Paul comes back, it's it's going to be a pretty lengthy series. I think I saw Chris Paul was making TikToks with his son yesterday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so he's uh he's out there doing that, but. uh yeah, no, good. The this weekend was a good weekend of uh, basketball. The game sevens were uh, were great, and uh, I, like you obviously think the Suns are the favorite to win the title, right? Um, with the four teams left, I mean, they, I yeah, 
I, I think so. I think I think the f- top two favorites have to be out of the West. You know what I mean? It has to oh, be. Oh, I think the Bucks. No, they got the best player left. Disagree. I know you disagree on Giannis, but they got the best player left. No, they don't. They don't even <laughs> have the. They don't even have the third best player left. No, they have. They have the third best player left. I'll put them at three. Who's two? Trey Young. No. Yeah. No way. Yeah. They the Bucks have the best player left in the playoffs. They don't. Yes, they do. Giannis is the best player left. Devin Booker's playing great right now, but he's not better than Giannis. He is. No, he's not. He's he's got way more in his bag. He can hit free throws. He can shoot at the three. He That's can drive fine. to the hoop. They do he different styles like we just he talked can, about he, earlier. And and his style is more conducive to winning basketball games. He's <laughs> They've both won a ton of basketball. Giannis has won way more basketball games in his life than Booker. You put Giannis on the Suns and put Booker on the Bucks. The Bucks are considerably better with Booker than they are with Giannis, and the Suns are considerably worse with Giannis on the team. I don't think considerably worse. Yeah. They have different styles of 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 games. The team, the team. Yeah, one is a good style, and one is a bad style. <laughs> okay, okay. One's got two MVPs. The other guy's got nothing. Just wait. The MVP train is coming for Booker. He's Just not going to win the MVP. He will. Because they got guy. They got guys. They got to get to win the MVPs that they got to dole out before long before it goes to Devin Booker. The dead look. This is the Devin Booker coming out party for the NBA. Everyone's realizing, for oh sure. shit. But just like, and then the same thing happened. The same thing happened with, with Giannis, you know, a couple seasons ago, he finally started having his coming out party. And now look, he's back to back MVP uh, or has two MVPs. And I don't, I don't even know. I mean, the first one for sure, but I don't know about the second one. I, last year? Yeah. Who was going to win it last year? I mean, well, look I at don't... the stats before the bubble. He was on, he was, look at also, look at the Bucks last year. They were clearly the best team in the league. True, yeah. Okay, so last year for, okay, so maybe, maybe I got it flipped. I'd have to go back and look for sure, but I just feel like a lot of, more times than not, with the NBA big time, the MVP is just who's the most popular, who's the guy that we want to give it to this year. For sure, but Giannis was the best player the last two years in the regular season, for sure. Mm-hmm. And I also think, look, there's a thing in the playoffs too: is you got to fail to then, to then. Um, I might even put Chris Paul above MVP or for MVP above Giannis for what he's done this season. Well, he's way ahead of Devin Booker for being the MVP. If we're talking about the Suns, yeah, no, I would agree. Um, but look, in the NBA, it's the whole you fail first before you achieve anything. Mm-hmm. Devin Booker really hasn't failed at anything. When it comes to the postseason, he hasn't. And Giannis has gone through those battles. Well, I mean, and- look, this is his, this is Devin Booker's first year in the playoffs. First thing he does is knock out LeBron James in the first round, who's never lost in the first round. He's With making it to the conference and an injured LeBron and an going to the conference finals. I mean, you still got to do it. You still got to get the job done. Just going to the conference finals after beating a Nuggets team. That's been pretty good. The MVP, the reigning MVP beats him. And now he's, he's the in the conference finals on that team. That got injured back in like March. Yeah, but still, they weren't. No one thought the Nuggets were gonna were gonna do anything in the playoffs after he got hurt. Especially once they saw their lineup against the Suns. No, that was way before that. <laughs> <laughs> and then now they're facing another team that the best player that would be the best player left in the playoffs is hurt, and we don't know if he's gonna come back and play. Look, I mean, that, none of that is in the Suns' control. It's just they're just playing who's put in front of them, and they just keep knocking them down. No, that's fine, but they have definitely got a golden path, and if they don't make the finals, they're going to be kicking themselves in the foot for not taking a, not taking 
um, this opportunity right in front of them, this oh, golden no. opportunity of injuries. Totally agree. But I mean, they got a little something working against them as well. You know, Chris Paul was injured in the first round. Now he's out right now. We don't know when he's coming back. If he is, if he's going to be able to come back, But he didn't miss any games. When he, did he miss a game? Uh, he missed. Uh, yeah, I believe so. He missed a game and a half. Okay. But he's back and playing now. Like, yeah. yes, he is. He's, he's not hurt. He's injured. He like, he's playing like, that's another thing. And his Good injury he was very effective. Like it was a shoulder. Like I think you would ask Kawhi. He'd rather take a shoulder over this ACL or like Anthony Davis uh, had the knee thing. And then his groin, like he was like for Anthony Davis game, like he was useless with those injuries. Like Chris Paul's being able to function with his injury. Not able to function right now when he's out. Well, he's out because of COVID. It's not, it's not an injury. That's a disease. And if, and I mean, it, it is, it also is like how the NBA hasn't given more information on it. It's just like, Oh, he's in the protocol. Like, what are we doing? Why are they not being more? Why are they not giving more info out there? Yeah. I don't They got a, some transparency wouldn't be a bad thing right now. It would, it would help them out in trying to figure out the, uh, the, uh, situation. All right. Lastly, or one of the things, do you want to talk about the playoff? We forgot yeah. to do it. Yeah, for sure. It's going to 12 teams, potentially as early as 2013 or 2023. And if not 2027, I think, but I don't know. I'm going to assume 2023. So six conference champions get in, then six at large. Obviously people thought it was going to go to eight, but the Pete Thamel article before this came out, the conference chairs or the, the people on the board said that they didn't like that. If it went to eight, it would only be for the two automatic qualifiers because they were going to have six conference champions. And it's pretty much just, Two at-large bids out there. We're running in the same thing. So now six automatic bids and then six um, at-larges. And that's what's the playoffs going to be. So what are your what are your thoughts on this? Look, I don't want to be the old crabby guy, but I just think 12 is too many. I do think 12 is too many. I think eight at the absolute max. I think six is the perfect number. You can get five conference winners, one at-large. Um, and, and that's why I think even eight could be doable because then you get every conference champion and then you have a chance for maybe, you know, like for example, if like an LSU, Alabama, Alabama wins the, the conference, but LSU is still really good. You know what I mean? Then they still have a chance to sneak in there. Uh, you can give like, like this year we saw coastal Carolina, they might be able to get a chance to sneak in Cincinnati might have a chance to get in there. So I think eight might be the sweet spot. I just think 12 is too many. There's, I, I give it, I mean, I don't think we ever see a nine, 10, 11 or 12 seed win this thing ever. It's, I mean, it's pretty much like being a 16 seed in the, in the, uh, in the uh, basketball tournament. I, I just don't ever see a nine, 10, 11 or 12 going on a run winning three games and, and winning a national championship. So that's why I think it's kind of a waste, but it will be fun to see a little bit more football. Um, you know, people keep saying it's going to diminish the, the regular season. I don't think that's necessarily true. Um, if, if anything, you know, you, you might be able to get away with, with, with losing one. And so, you know, it makes oh, you're gonna be able to lose two and be easy. Yeah, no, no, for sure. And that's what I mean. Like, I don't, I don't know how much it, it fully diminishes it. I still think it makes things very competitive. Um, and now, you know, you're going to be able to see guys like, 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 you know, we talk about uh, the Florida o OU game this year. Those guys at Florida, they probably stick around in Florida and play that game. And so we see a little bit of a better game there. And we see, you know, teams going at it for 40, 40 minutes or whatever it is, 45 minutes for, uh, uh, instead of an absolute blowout. And so it's, uh, like I said, I, 
I think eight is a sweet spot. Twelve, I think, is too many. The look, twelve, whatever. It is what it is. People, it's not going to diminish the regular season because you're going to be caring about different things. Like if you're an Ohio State, Clemson, Oklahoma, Alabama fan, that upper echelon, you're first of all, if any of those teams ever miss the playoffs, the coach should be fired immediately. Like there's no excuses for those teams to ever miss the playoff when it goes to 12 teams. But they're going to be the regular season is going to be important for them to get a buy rather than making it into the playoffs. Like the things you care about and what make the regular season important shift drastically to the 12th team. And then the other argument is, oh, well, th- this is going to get the group of five involved. Sure, but you're crazy if you're going to think two group of five schools are going to get in this tournament. It's going to be the one conference winner, and that's it. Whoever the highest finish ranked conference winner is, is they're going to get in, like, you're crazy if two teams are going to get in from the group of five. There's no chance. Like, it's not going to open the door more for them. It's going to, it's just going to bring in the chance of we're going to have nine and three Texas. They're going to make the playoff. Or there's going to be three loss, a three loss SEC team that we know isn't very good. They're going to get in and they're going to win a couple. They're going to win a game against someone. They might win the semifinal. They're going to play for a title and lose. It's be like, oh, look, the playoff worked great. We got this run here. But no, this team was bad. They should have never been in it in the, in the uh, in the first place, so that's what it's going to open the door up potentially for. And then th- the bigger thing too is is look, this is still on the table, but they got to make the regular the quarterfinal games at the school's sites. You can't go three neutral sites game in a row. And I saw Bob Bowlesby, who's the Big Twelve commissioner, said we we don't want we don't want or who wants to go play at Michigan state in December? Nobody, but that's what would make the playoff. Great. What if LSU was the sevens was the say they win as they're the five and then they go play the four and they got to go travel to Michigan state or they got to go travel up North to Penn state or something like that is what we want in December. Say it's a little snow. That would be awesome. That'd be way better than them go playing in the damn Citrus Bowl in Orlando at a neutral site field that's got 80% capacity because the fans got to figure out if they want to go to the quarterfinal. Oh, we might win. I want to go to the semifinal. Oh, we got we got to win. I got to go to the national. Like, come on. Make the quarterfinal games home on-campus site. Like, that's the easiest thing here. And then rotate the Bulls in the semifinals like they do before. Like, the Bulls system is good for, like, the group of five and those things. But, like, we got to stop just hitching the wagons everything. The Bulls, the Bulls, the Bulls, the Bulls. Like, it's ridiculous. Yeah, going back to your first point, I think it's, uh, you know, having 12 teams get in, it's 100% going to change the way they rank and seed these teams as far as the committee, right? Like you said, a nine and three Texas has a better chance of getting in now. Like they're, that's what this is setting up for. I think is getting the more quote unquote blue bloods or once were blue bloods, the big fan bases of getting in. Um, and I think the little guy is still going to get kept out. You know, your South Florida's that we've seen or, or your Cincinnati's your coastal Carolina's we saw last year. Um, so, you know, I think, I think it's, it's going to change that. And I agree with you. I think the, so the the way it's been proposed is one through four gets a buy and then five through twelve plays. So I think you absolutely have to play at those schools. There's a neutral side. There's too many neutral side games in college already. I I think you know as far as the bowl season, 
there's a ton of, you know, we'll, we'll always host a couple here, Jerry world or wherever they may be. Atlanta's um, a big one. Now. Atlanta's a big one. Absolutely. Um, they always do a lot of big 10 stuff in Indianapolis, but, uh, so, so there's, there's plenty of neutral site games. And I, I understand probably part, part of that is maybe, uh, making sure fans that nor- don't normally get to see these teams play, get to do that. But if you make this playoff and you're a five through eight seed or whatever it may be, you should absolutely be able to host your, your, uh, your first playoff game at your, at your site. Oh yeah, no, that's for sure. But I'm saying the next round should be at this campus site. The first, yeah, I'm down with that for sure. Absolutely. So, so like, the, the, the quarters so, and the semis. No, the round of whatever the, the, the first round and then the quarterfinals quarterfinals. Yeah. Yeah. Both of those, the first two rounds should be at the school site. Yeah, no agreed. And then the semifinal, you go to the neutral site. Mm-hmm. No problem with that. I think that's what it should be. Yeah, no, um, I agree. Yeah, but it's just like, well, like the biggest game of the, or the, could be the game of the year. Week one is a neutral site this year. Clemson at Georgia. It's in Atlanta because it's a money grab or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. that would be sick if it was in Athens or awesome if it would be in Clemson. I think that also might have been because of the pandemic. They had to change that schedule around too. But, uh, like, that's just, they're going to make more money off of it. So, look, we're still going to watch, but, and even eight teams, like, I honestly think, like, Four is fine. I know it's the same teams, but I always I think four is fine. Six no, is I'm, fine. I, yeah, no, I think four like, is fine for sure. I, like I said, I think six would be perfect. Yeah, like everybody's like, oh, it's the same teams. Well, guess what? Why don't these other teams get better? Hmm. Like I know everybody wants to is going to keep going to Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama, but guess what? They figured out a system that works for them. All these other schools, no one's telling them they're. Everyone's got the same resources. Like everyone's got the same recruiting thing. Like you could go out and, and develop a program or whatever. Like just be better. Mm-hmm. It's just, well, whatever. It'll still be, it gets more people involved. That's for sure. Of thinking they have a chance to make the playoff. All right. There is uh one last, did you see the F1 race? This is the last thing I have yesterday. I mean, there ain't no stopping Max for stopping. Even with two laps to go, and you're Louis Hamilton, and you think he got the win, you don't, because you ain't stopping. you think stopping. he had the win with two laps to go? No, but I'm just saying no, because I know. I know that there ain't oh, no stopping stop. Max for stopping. Like, I know that, but I just need to make sure everybody else knows that. Um, Masterclass by by my guy Horner and Red Bull yesterday. They uh, did, they, they got God at Barcelona. This happened to them. Mercedes did this to them. In Barcelona earlier this year. Now they give Toto a little bit of taste of his medicine. And just honestly, that race was really exciting the whole way through. Like there was the passing happened through the pit stops or whatever, but it was still like when Verstappen came out of the first pit stop ahead of Hamilton and Botas, you're like, wow, is he going to be able to contain it? Like that was a very exciting race, even if the overtake for the lead didn't happen a lot. Which yeah, I mean, I've I've come to realize that the that the overtake for the lead doesn't happen a whole ton. Rarely right? happens, and so that when it does happen, it's it's super exciting. Well, the the overtake for the lead is going to happen in like turn one or two, and then out of the pit stop. Yeah, and then maybe late if some guys' tires go, but like it's not NASCAR where 
guys are flying overtaken for passing overtaken for the lead left and right. Yeah. Did you, he, he gets trashed a lot right now, but Valtteri Botas, first of all, what are your thoughts on him? Uh, not, I don't have enough right now to give a, to give a, a full opinion on him. Okay. Cause clearly, yeah, at least yesterday's yesterday's race for sure. He told them, look, my one stop tech or the one stop ain't working today. We got a box for two. And they're like, no, no, go try out. And what do you know? He loses a podium and he was clearly right. And then he's dropping F-bombs to the engineers about why didn't you listen to me? Why didn't you listen to me? And rightfully so, he was right. I guarantee you if Lewis Hamilton says, hey, this is a two-stop race. They stop twice. They they do that two-stop in a heartbeat. But since it's Valtteri, and he's second fiddle, and every only thing Mercedes cares about is getting Lewis another. Uh, they want to win the constructors, and they want to get Lewis another uh, world championship. But they just tossed Valtteri to the curb yesterday. So disgusting, and I felt bad for like he was right, and I felt bad for Valtteri. Like he gets a lot of shtick for oh he's not like Lewis makes him look bad because he's so much faster. Like Lewis is such a good driver, it makes Valtteri look bad, but. He was on it yesterday and on YouTube. I've always like the F1 YouTube page is so damn good. They'll put together like the radio comms between the teams and like all the drivers and everything. And one thing they do every week is, is it's like a 10 minute long video, but it's like a minute or like 35, 40 seconds of each driver when they cross the finish line or like, Hey, you got P5, good job, this and that. Like each driver and Valtteri, the Mercedes engineer goes, or his race director goes, Yep, you got P4, we're stopping first, blah, 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 this and that. And and he just goes, and the uh and the engineer just goes, Yep. Oh, he goes, he goes, apologies on us, and that's it. And usually the driver will say, All right, yep, good race for us, blah, blah, blah. Botas, dead silent, didn't even say a word. And the silence is so telling. And for Hamilton, they're like, they have uh, other engineer come on, like not Toto Wolf, but the guy above his race engineer was like, um, we're so sorry we got the strategy wrong. Like, that's on us. This isn't on you, Lewis. This is on us. This is on us. Just like kissing his ass. Botas mm-hmm. gets none of that. Just thrown to the wolves. Yeah, I've picked up on that quite a bit, especially after uh, the Horner interview and, and obviously watching um, the Drive to Survive is there's obviously like the guy and then just the other guy on, on quite a few teams. And that's tough to be the other guy. And that's why, you know, you'll see a lot of well, not that's why, but obviously you see a lot of movement around teams because of that. I've noticed uh, because they want to go somewhere where they might be the guy or at least closer to the guy than just being the other guy. Yeah, and and the thing is, Botas's contract runs out at the end of the year for Mercedes, so he's done. They're he's going to be done there. Anyway. Yeah. Huh? They're all set with him anyway. Well, they're going to bring George Russell in, who's with Williams. Like he's a right. Mercedes contract driver, and like there's like the rumors are already have been swirling since last year, and now it's like, oh, when are they going to announce Russell the Mercedes? Like he's out. But I mean, they're just giving him shit strategies left and right. Like they're not even trying to put 
put something good with him. And it's like, it sucks because Botas would have got a podium and you're just screwing, and they're screwing themselves out in the constructors. But I'm not a big Botas guy or whatever, but I'm starting to feel a lot more sympathetic to him watching now than I did before. And I was like, how are you? You stink. You're though. I was though. You stink Hamilton, this and that. Now I'm more sympathetic to Botas after they just continuously screw him over with the strategy. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh... and then we got two races coming up in a row. This is the first of a triple header. We got Austria back to back there coming up on Sunday. All right. Do you have anything else before we end here? Uh, no, that'll do it. The Yankees stink. Didn't they win? They took two out of three, didn't they? Yeah, they still stink. <laughs> okay. They, uh, they they win games 2-0, 2-1, 3-1. If you score four, you're good. They're winning. Barely. All they're right. They're still in third. All division. right. I'll tell you what. The Indians, I don't know how they're doing it, but they're like nine games over 500. That's a, like the best start Terry Francona has ever had with the Indians. I seriously don't, don't understand how they're winning games, but been fun to watch so far. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back on Thursday.